Here's what's coming up on today's show. These types of topics are on your spouse's mind, and just like they're probably on yours. And so getting on the same page is going to be paramount to just uh, bring that tension down a little bit. When it comes to your finances, you don't want to be at a disadvantage. Tim Dyer can help. He's a wealth manager specializing in retirement planning and investment management, and he can be that financial coach that helps you achieve your goals in retirement. This is Retirement Power Play. Welcome into the Retirement Power Play podcast. I'm Ben George with Tim Dyer, wealth manager specializing in retirement planning and investment management. Tim, I, I, I think we're going to have some fun on today's show, and, and it's only because I think Anybody that's married or in a relationship understands the tensions that come, not only just, you know, living day to day with someone, but when you especially dive down into finances, there are so many things that can cause problems in a relationship. I would agree. And my thinking is that we'll need to tread lightly here. (laughs) (laughs) Our wives are listeners of the show, right? (laughs) That is true. Well, I hope they are at least. Uh, Yeah, there's so many different things, different areas that that could cause a little bit of uh, controversy, debates, however you want to say it. But these are some things that could be minefields. We want to be able to sure, sure we can kind of navigate these and, you know, keep your relationship intact and healthy. And communication is always going to be the key. So we want to communicate with you today mm-hmm. on how to get through some of these things, Tim. So where where should we start? What's uh, what's Where do you want to begin with this? Well, well, you know the old term, right? Money can't buy love, but uh, I, I think it can, it can start some spicy debates uh, between you and your better half. But here's the thing, right? We're not necessarily to blame for this because the way, I guess, you know, our society is, is we're not really taught this stuff, right? We're not, we're not necessarily taught ahead of time how, you know, when you get married, the finances work and you throw in all the other things right uh kids and and whatnot it just it's added stress added tension and it all comes at a time when we ourselves are changing right we're moving from dependence to to independence and um there's all these things that are coming at us and it, it, it's a lot to handle so I, you know I, I i've sort of We've all dealt with these things. I'm in the business, and we, you know, we're not immune to it. Um, I think the key is sort of we'll take a look at some of these different topics and really some steps that it might you might be able to take to resolve some of them. Um, and some of it just really comes with, as you mentioned at the top of the show, is just having a conversation about it, and not just sort of sweeping it under the rug. Because it, these types of topics are on your spouse's mind, and just like they're probably on yours, and so. Getting on the same page is going to be paramount to just uh, bring that tension down a little bit. Yeah, bring it down just just there. Yeah. So let's start then. Um, let's go risk tolerance, right? Um, I I know with my wife, um, I don't know how it is in your relationship, Tim, but I'm I'm much more I would say aggressive. Um, I'm much more comfortable with risk than than my wife is. Uh, she doesn't think about it as much and is much more conservative though. If if the conversation comes up, so I, I know that it can cause tension with someone trying to trying to navigate hey let's go let's push a little bit harder versus no i want a little more security so this Mm -hmm. uh, this this push and pull could probably create some some controversy in your in your meeting or in your office right okay so the the way i'd start by answering that is i want to give you a thumbs up for having a conversation about it all too often i i you know you you hear of 
married couples and maybe only one person handles the finances, okay? Now, it doesn't necessarily mean both people have to be involved in it 100% all the time, but each spouse should be sort of brought up to speed on, you know, where things are and what they're doing and why and what the overall plan is, right? So that that goes to the the first part of it is planning. I'll get phone calls from uh, people that, that want to meet, and it's like, well, that's fine. We can talk about these issues, but if you have a spouse, they're going to be there <laughs> because it's just absolutely amazing to sit in a room and talking to a couple, and there's always that moment where they look at each other and say, I didn't know that, or you never told me that. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean they they didn't know that they were doing something financially or whatever that was um, outside somebody's, for example, risk comfort, you know, risk tolerance, as we call it. So getting on the, the, that particular topic, risk tolerance, thumbs up for, for spouses are, are talking about it. But the key then is understanding what is risk tolerance. In our live events, we talk about a, uh, an elderly woman that says she's aggressive and buys a, a two-year CD, right? She's aggressive compared to her peers, Versus, you know, a tech executive who says, ah, I'm, I'm actually pretty conservative. I just buy blue chip stocks and, you know, cryptocurrency, right? But to him, in his world, his investments are, are maybe, you know, uh, less risky than what his peers are doing, which might, might just be wild exotic options or something. So understanding the risk and how it relates to the plan, um, you know, if things go right, this is what it would look like. If things don't go right, you know, this is the effects that that could have. So risk tolerance is a big one. Um, you know, I think um, more often than not, we start to get into conversation around lifestyle, whether it's current, existing, or future retirement lifestyle, okay? Um, and what people's ideal vision of that is in the future, right? So yeah. one spouse might want to travel all over the world and another one might want to, you know, build a dream home in a, you know, up, up near the ski house or something. Mm-hmm. So getting those aligned and putting those goals on paper and make sure that what we're doing or, or what we're investing towards or putting money at risk, if you will, is aligning towards those goals. Because if you're going to have the reward or if you're going to have the risk, then, you know, you want to have the reward that goes with that. So... Aligning those, having a conversation about what's this money for? Does that resonate with what you guys do, or do you just kind of wing it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we 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 wing it to an extent because my wife doesn't like to have. She doesn't really care that much, right? She's not that involved uh, in the finances mm-hmm. and doesn't really worry with it too much. She kind of trusts that we do the right thing. But yeah, I mean, it, it, if if we ever dive into it, yeah, it can it, we try to have the conversation? But you know, it's not always easy to talk about something. That, the other party doesn't want to talk about as much. So, you know, that's just kind of the, the source of it. There's not a lot of tension there, but I can definitely see where the disagreements pop up when you have somebody that's really gung-ho about that. And I think the lifestyle thing is mm-hmm. interesting too, Tim, because I, I think that's something we don't talk about a lot with our spouse necessarily, right, is, hey, what do you envision? What are you thinking? What do you want to do? A lot of times when we think about it in our head, hey, this is kind of what I've got in mind. Oh, I can't wait to retire and move to a golf course and play, uh, you know, four times a mm-hmm. week or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you get to retirement and like, hey, uh, so I started looking at uh, some some houses and memberships, and the other spouse would be like, uh, "What are you talking about? 
I want to spend more time with my family and travel a little bit. Uh, so what are we doing? Right. I, like, and they, it pops they, up and they live in Alaska and there's no golf courses up there. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> like that's, that's something that doesn't happen. Like those conversations probably happen less than you would expect them to. Well, yeah. What I like to think of the way you can solve some of those is by providing context. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and look, you're a young guy and, and there's a lot of time before you have to make big retirement decisions like where you're going to live. But they start off one way and then they change, right? But when I talk about context, it's like, hey, here's what we're doing right now. We're saving money in, a, say, a 401k. We're putting money into a retirement account. We're putting in money. You've got, I know you've got two wonderful children you know, into a college savings account or some combination of those. And you know that, like, okay, if we do this, maybe make this major purchase or spend this, it's, it's going to have this effect on those, those things that we're planning for. So that's context. And then you can make decisions from there. Like, does this make sense? I know when we bought our house here, we're in La Jolla, California. Um, we bought kind of a nifty old mid-century modern house. And, you know, you walk in you know, and you walk around the rooms. This is originally like when we purchased it. And it's like you're in one of these home uh, you know, what do you call them? The home, sh- not home shopping network, but uh, HGTV, right? Right. You're, yeah. you're kind of scratching your chin saying, oh, we could tear this wall out. We can do this. And, oh, we'll put a you know, pool in and this and that. And it's easy to just sort of get going on all that stuff. Then it's <laughs> like, well, wait a minute. We got to write some checks here. Let's figure yeah. out, you know, what do we need now or what do we want now? And, and in that example, my wife and I, we've got young kids as well. We did the the outside, like the pool area, the lawn, and you know all that type of stuff first, because we just you know on, it, it was during COVID. We wanted to get out of the house and you know do those things, and the inside took the back seat. Right, people walk into our guest bathroom and it's like you know, it's like from the nineteen sixties. <laughs> now it's kind of comical, so we leave it. But but you know again, it's it's providing context around it. We know. We, we've chosen to allocate resources this way, and we know what, I guess, you could kind of, quote-unquote, had to give up because we provided context around that decision. Which makes me think, kind of think of another one, which is um, some things that cause tension is emergency funds, right? Okay. It wasn't long ago we were going with COVID, and everybody was out of work, and unemployment was through the roof and whatnot. People really got to know firsthand what it meant to be unprepared, if they were in that situation, or if they had prepared with emergency funds, you know, how valuable that was just to overall sanity. Um, hmm. um, so I think having a discussion, there's certainly rules of thumb out there, three months, six months of, of income saved for emergencies, because something always comes up, a car, a, a, a health issue, um, a house needs a roof, you know, whatever it is, there's, there's always something that could come up. So having emergency funds and at least building that, and, and I think it's Dave Ramsey says, you know, just get that first $1,000 saved. Um, and that's good advice. And wherever you are financially, build from there. Um, and, and it's amazing. I mean, I, as somebody that understands risk and all kinds of complex as well as simple investment concepts, I still like knowing that I've got a little – you know, little nest egg over here that's in an account that I don't even log in and look at that is available if if it's needed. So I think, you know, again, having an emergency fund is one thing that can lower the tension between couples. 
Yeah, and a lot of that, I know there's always kind of a guideline, as you mentioned, of how much you probably should have, but a lot of that just comes down to what you're most comfortable with, right? And and mm-hmm. one one party might be comfortable with uh, a smaller amount than the other, but you know, having some keeping somebody happy is is a big part of the relationships, right? And that might mean, hey, let's save a little bit extra than we need to. Maybe it's not gaining as much interest as we needed, or the return we we'd love to be getting off this money, but if it helps. The other party sleep at night, and it makes us feel better and more comfortable with where we are, then it's probably worth it. Yeah, and I guess it sort of dovetails into another one that comes to mind, which is uh, insurance. Right? Okay. Not necessarily the most pleasant topic for some people, but the thing about insurance is that it can actually provide some peace of mind, right? For example, we were just talking about emergency savings. Now, one spouse might say, I, you know, I want to have two years worth of emergency savings because what happens if you lose your job or something happens to you um, and, and you know, we don't have that income anymore? Well, two years of emergency savings might be excessive, uh, maybe from my point of view, let's say in my family situation. And so by having uh, insurance, in this case maybe a term insurance, well, we're young, the kids are young, if, if something happens to me and – you know, I'm not able to provide income or the income that I'm providing into the household. That's all replaced with, you know, for in this example, a term insurance policy. So now we can have the conversation and say, hey, look, you know, you were concerned about uh, having more money in emergency funds because if something happened to me and my income, well, here, that's sort of some of that is alleviated through a, an inexpensive term policy. And so we can sort of have that conversation, and I guess you'd call it meeting in the middle, but um, it, it, going back to providing some context around the situation um, could reduce some tension. Yeah, I could see that. That, that one hasn't come up with us too much in terms of insurance conversations and discussions too much, but I can see how that could be. Um, what else do we have, Tim? I know there's – a long list of these. We could probably go on for a while, but what else have you seen causing uh, some dilemmas within couples? You know, another one that kind of comes to mind is uh, housing in retirement, right? Do you downsize your home during retirement or stay where you are? Again, that might revolve around family issues. Maybe the children are living in the other part of the country and they want to be closer to grandkids. Okay, that's smart. Maybe the existing home is paid for. And and I'm using an example. I grew up in New Hampshire. I got family there and I live here in California. Um, So, you know, there's some merit to wanting to be closer, right? But if you sell a property here, okay, well, we know things that that result from that, like taxes and having having to find another house, all those Hmm. things. So, um, that can be one that's a little tricky, again, because you can have uh, conflicting viewpoints from each spouse, but also there's some major financial considerations that, that go with that. Um, maybe downsizing makes sense uh, financially, uh, but one spouse might not want to do that. So having a, having a conversation around that is, it can be an emotional one. It can be one where both spouses are on the same page and they say, okay, you know, let's do this. Um, I, I would say in my experience, I see people stay in their existing home longer than they probably would have. Um, I, I probably see that scenario more often than not, again, because the mortgage is potentially paid off. The property taxes is based on what they spent or, or what they paid 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, so those things kind of keep you there. And again, that's a financial decision that makes sense. 
But when you, when you think about it, like, is that what truly makes you happy? Or is it maybe being closer to family or in another weather? That's not an issue here, but Mm. at another part of the country where the weather is more suitable or something. So, um, you know, the housing is definitely, uh, another, another one that, that, that comes up. So we talked about moving for kids. I think legacy, right? Legacy for children. How much wealth do you want to pass on to your children? There's a, di- there's a difference uh, in some of those views. Um, and that inheritance conversation can lead mm-hmm. to disagreements, um, especially if you're talking about much bigger estates. There's, there's some complexity that goes with that. And I know listeners could sort of maybe roll their eyes and say, well, that's a good problem to have. Well, yeah, but um, I don't think anybody wants their children to be adversely affected by a unplanned inheritance, right? Uh, Unplanned, I mean, uh, you know, um, one that is sort of life-changing that maybe they're not prepared for, which could potentially lead lead them to make bad decisions, which we know can lead to some bad outcomes. But looking at it from another angle, I I talk with some clients and say, hey, look, we want to leave our children X amount and we're going to spend the rest down to the down to zero. You know, that's one way to do it. And again, some spouses are on the same page about that. Some some spouses differ. Some say, you know, we'll spend what we have. We'll live our lives. We raise the kids, help put them through school or whatnot, and we feel good about that. And if there's anything left, great. If not, that's fine too. You know, and and again, that's another approach. So, you know, discussing that, what type of legacy or how. Um, you know, you would want children to inherit your things. And I'll, I'll add this point in. It doesn't matter what age you are. Is having a proper estate plan, at least having at a minimum, you know, a will uh, and some medical directives that say if something happens to you, this is what happens. Because this is a whole other uh, episode topic. But, mm-hmm. you know, people really need to understand you're either on your plan or the government's plan. And it's a very easy, simple uh, problem to solve which is a little bit of, uh, of planning, which is easy to do. Remember the old, uh, was it Price is Right at the end? You know, uh, what was his name? Um, oh, Bob Barker. Oh, Bob Barker, yeah. right? Bob Barker used to always say, have your pet spayed or neutered. You know, like, yeah. you know what, what, is, what does that even mean? Like, that's what I should do at the end of, you know, all, all talks. You know, don't forget to have your state plan, you know, updated. But, um, yeah, so, anyways, legacy is, um, is, is another one. I which made me think that in some cases, some parents they or grandparents, they want to contribute during their lifetime, right? Maybe giving money to their grandkids for schooling or their kids potentially to purchase their first home. Um, and they get to, they're alive to see that benefit, you know, that, that, that comes with that, or charitable philanthropic uh, causes too. Yeah. Um, whereas another spouse might say, Hey, you know, we've got, you know, the, the, the engineer type is a, Hey, we've, we've got this down to the penny, you know, we, we, we're not prepared to do that or, or that wasn't part of the original plan, which maybe they, they can financially do it, but spouses may disagree on that one. So droned on a little bit on that legacy one, but that is one that I definitely see, um, more often than not. So. Yeah. yeah, I think I think those are some of them right there. There's yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, and we talk about you got to you got to talk about money. It's 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 a reason why a lot of 
couples argue and it causes a ton of tension. And you can see there's a lot of different things that need to be discussed here. These are a lot of those conversations and a lot of the roots, the, the trouble that you might have uh, around money and finances. But ultimately, Tim, again, it comes down to communication, right? And even if, you know, like a situation like mine where maybe one party enjoys talking about this and, and, and loves to plan and the other party doesn't really care too much. Hey, I'm not, I know you'll take care of it. I've, I've got the confidence and trust in you to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't need to learn much. It's still important that you're both having these conversations and that both parties are on the same page, if nothing else, and are aware of kind of exactly what's happening so that you don't come across this at some point and say, oh, I, I never knew about that. And, and, and I never, never expected this to be the outcome. Why don't you tell me? Yeah, informed, right? Mm-hmm. So each spouse is informed about the different you know, things as it relates to their family finances. I, I certainly see spouses where one says, I'm not interested in this in any way, shape, or form. So that's another issue. That's one where you need to bring them in and you need to say, hey, look, here's where our important documents are. Here's where our accounts are. Here's the number of you know, the advisor you know, that we're using, just thinking of broad things here. Um, and, and because you do need to know these things, um, if you don't want to be involved in the investment management or whatnot, um, I get, you know, that's fine too, but you need to be aware of, you know, what, what all this stuff is for. I guess I'll kind of round out the conversation when I, when I think about tensions, there's tension around money because there's, un, there's uncertainty and there's, um, lack of clarity around some issue. Right. Everybody's got a different money story. Right. Um, their upbringings were different. Um, you know, their their views on it. Some people have an abundance mindset. Some people have a scarcity mindset. You know, that's all well and good. But keeping your spouse informed, uh, providing context around what you're doing and including them in that process. And I would say, you know, talking with an advisor as a couple, it can almost be like therapy because it does flush out some of those deep uh, values, if you will, core values that they have that maybe a spouse has avoided having a, that conversation about because they, they thought it might cause tension and we all tend to run away from that stuff. Hmm. <laughs> but point. it can be a very uh, useful exercise, a helpful exercise to have that conversation with a professional that can sort of flush out some of those things because as I mentioned at the beginning, those aha moments are, they're, they're special, right? Some, when you see a spouse really get to understand their partner more and say, I never knew that. I never knew you were concerned about that. Or I never really knew that you wanted to do that or take that type of trip or what, you know, or have a house here, or mm-hmm. whatever that is. Um, but that, that gets, uh, that gets disclosed with a, with a good value-based conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you haven't done that, again, this hopefully this will spur you to act if you haven't and had some of these conversations and and uh, and, and work some of these things out before it's too late or before you come to a point where it's just causing too much tension and, and problems within your relationship. But again, you want to have somebody on your side that can help you work through these things and talk through them and come up with a plan for whatever it is, your lifestyle, your legacy, you know, whatever it is you have in mind for your retirement. So if you want to get in touch with Tim, the best way to do so is by calling 858-459-3937, or you can find them online, DyerWM.com for Dyer Wealth Management. And Tim, as always, we we hope uh, our relationships are always on solid footing, but we always have to remember communication is is always going to be the key. 
Yeah, get that financial communication done so you can get back to arguing about what you're going to have for dinner or you know, whatever the kids are up to at this point. So uh, there you go. It's close to home for many people, I'm sure. All right, Tim, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you soon. The commentary on this podcast reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, DBA Dire Wealth Management employees making such comment and should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Dire Wealth Management or performance returns of any Dire Wealth Management Investments client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referred for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Dire Wealth Management provides advisory services through Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Dire Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Dire Wealth Management unless a client service agreement is in place.